our hungry and thirsty soul, oh God, fill it up with your love, with your power, with your anointing, with your love. We pray, oh God, that the fire of the Holy Ghost will rekindle every life in this place. Let us live here, oh God, even better than we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? I said, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Uh, and David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because I know that in the house of the Lord, I am going to behold the beauty of his holiness. And my life will be transformed just by looking in the mirror of life in his presence. So I pray that you don't live here the same as you came, but you live here better than you came. Hallelujah. Let it be your prayer every time you come to the house of the Lord that I'm not going to live the same as I came, but I'll live better. Amen. Sometimes we come to the house of the Lord and we don't have any expectations. That is how come we don't get any blessings. But I pray that we'll have expectations whenever we come to the house of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hallelujah. We've been talking on strongholds that block our progress in ministry. The thing that blocks our progress in ministry, and I said to you that a stronghold is something that is within you. And because of that, it is not necessarily witchcraft or it's not necessarily Satan. But it is such a strong force that Satan plants in your, in your spirit man, in your mind, that will hold you bound even when he is not around. You know, Satan is very busy. Are you with me? He's, he's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not everywhere at the same time. So what he does is that he plants strongholds in believers. Have you ever seen a toy that you wind? And then when you leave it, it starts dancing all over the place. Have you seen those type of toys? You just wind it. Or the one that laughs. You wind it and then laughs all over. That's what Satan does. He sets up strongholds that winds up. And it's a perpetual thing. So that you are wound up and you wind somebody up, who wind somebody up, who wind somebody up, who wind somebody up, who wind somebody up. So everybody's wound up and everybody's doing all over the place. And it looks like Satan is so, so powerful and so busy. No, 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 no. He's not everywhere at every time. He sets up strongholds. And you see, the Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So when we can, we, we come... We, become, we can identify his, his devices that he uses against us. We master them, then we become conquerors over him. Am I making sense? So that is why we need, to, we need to understand the word of God. Hosea said, my people perish because they lack knowledge. Knowledge is available, but when you don't desire for it, you don't look for it, it will not benefit you. Am I making sense? So I'm talking, about, we, we started talking about strongholds that make us impotent in ministry, in the things of God. Sometimes we start very well in the house of God and we look like we are progressing. But then the strongholds that we haven't dealt with, it, it holds us up, up and we can't progress past a certain point. 
And before we know it, we abandon ministry and walk away. And we, we curse everybody who is around the house of God. Without realizing that the thing that it was not the people, but it was what was in between your ears. I don't know whether I, your point of view is dependent on your viewpoint. Am I making sense? So when you stand, it makes you see things the way you see them. Somebody will be standing on the other side looking at the same thing and see something different. So you see three, they see nine. And they start arguing. It's strongholds. Is this six or is nine? It's strongholds. Am I making sense? Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Amen. Verse 1 through to 11. One day Jesus was standing by the lake Genesaret and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw two, he saw at the water's, water's edge two boats left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of them that was belonging to Simon and asked him to put it a little from the shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when they had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the net for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we've worked all, hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down, I'm reading the NIV, I will let down the net. So when they had done so, they caught a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that it, they began to sink. Then Simon Peter fell, saw this, he fell at his knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And he said, he and, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed him. Hallelujah. I want us to look at this and identify a few strongholds that were working against the people. I don't know whether you can see some strongholds there. Now, it's a normal setting. The picture of this thing is a very normal setting. Is that okay for me to walk around? Uh, normal setting. Fishermen had gone out to work, come back, caught nothing. When you don't make profit, it's part of life. It's not every day you make profit. Isn't that true? When you are in debt, it's part of life. It's not every day that you, are, you have money when you are broke. When the, the thing that you used to make money gets torn, it's part of life. You have to mend your nets or wash your nets. It's part of life. Are you getting it? All those things are part of life. But when everything, all these settings come together at the same time. Then it begins to create a certain picture. The picture of frustration. 
the picture of feeling sorry for yourself. The picture of looking inward. How am I going to behave? What am I going to do? How am I going to uh, feed my family? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? It starts to, it, it starts to make you look inward. And worst of all, when somebody comes and he says that it is time for ministry, push your boat out a little. Now we are talking. Ministry is not done by people who are idle. Ministry is done by people who are frustrated. People who are already doing something. People who are already tired. People who already have issues. People who already are frustrated because life hasn't gone the way they expected life to go. All those people are candidates for ministry. So Jesus comes walking by the lake and he begins to attract the crowd. And when the crowd comes, he situates himself in the middle of people who are like they hasn't gone well. Life didn't turn out the way they planned it. Business is not doing well. Their budget, they have overrun their budget. They are in debt. Worst of all, the nets that they have hired to work is broken. And they have to fix it. They have to go and make sales to the net owner, the boat owner. All these guys will take their cut. And their wives and family are waiting for them at home. They need food. If I don't have anything, leave me alone to go home and explain myself to my wife and children who are going to hang hungry expecting me to come home with something. But that is when God is going to ask for you to exert a little bit of your life, a little bit of your energy, a little bit of your resources, a little bit of all these things that you're already feeling sorry for yourself about. He will ask you to push it out a little to the water so he can comfortably sit and preach. So if you don't have the wherewithal to put some of these mishaps and some of these disappointments and some of these frustrations away, you can never be a good uh, 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 what's the word? A good candidate to be used by God. Does that make sense? Ministry is inconveniencing. And if you are somebody who is inward looking, you can only do ministry up to a certain point and you won't go past it. Because this story we've just read, it is a present continuous story. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a one-off. It's not a one-off story. I don't know whether you read the story the way I read it. But the story is a present continuous story in that every time and every level that you get to, you will be feeling sorry for yourself and you ask for a little bit more. I think I'm preaching more than you are amening. So I don't think, I don't think you, are, you are understanding what I'm saying. Anytime, anytime you get to a place, uh, uh, God will ask you for a little bit more. 
as you are a young person, all your problems are very, very, very young people's problems. Boys, girls, uh, outfits, uh, you need more money to buy more outfits. Your parents are annoying you because you wanted more of whatever they didn't give you. You get it. Then, annoyingly, they push you out that you should come to church. Instead of leaving you to feel sorry for yourself. It's also a level. It's a level. Now you are living on your own. This is the first time you are living on your own. Now you are paying your own rent. Bills have started coming. You don't understand all these things because they are new to you. And it's like, oh, you just tend, and before you realize you're in debt. And things are not working. Council tax, everybody's chasing you. Every time now, envelopes are coming. Anytime they come, it's not, it's not a, hello, how are you doing? It's like they are coming for money. How many know what I'm talking about? So you see the envelope, you don't even want to open it. And here, he comes again, asking you to push a little. Now, you are married, you have children, you are beginning life, responsibilities, things are being demanded of you, child care, you know, more bills, wife is wife, trouble, husband, trouble, children, trouble, everything is going on, and you can't really move yourself very well, and then here he comes again, asking to push the boat a little. I don't know whether you are getting my message. Is it, is it hitting home? Now you are you are old. You have children. They are also uh, have they are, they are beginning to marry. They want to get married. They are bringing different type of girls, different type of boys. You are sifting through. You don't want to know this one. You want to know this. You want to suck this one. You are giving this one. You know all those type of problems are happening. <laughs> Let me preach my message. Ah. Now you have to organize. You, you are organizing different. You, now you are having different prayer topics. The Lord help him to come out of foolishness. <laughs> let him bypass the substitutes. Bypass the substitutes. And Lord, when he sees the real, let him see it. Lord, let all the foolish boys bypass her. Let the right person come. As you are going through all those type of problems, why are you laughing? I'm just, I've given different scenarios. I'm giving this scenario, you're laughing. Just don't be like that. The master comes and says, push a little. Now, the one I am on, I'm struggling. Now, you have, uh, uh, your, 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 your children have gone, gotten married. Now, they have their own children. They are dumping their children on you. You, too, you have some things that you have to take care of. And then there's all, you have become a full-time nanny. You are still a full-time worker. You have different bills. You have different things are going on. And then he comes again. He says, push a little.
how many can, can see that the trouble doesn't end? So part of ministry, you still have to go through the same process. It's the same process. <coughs> and each time you get, you get there, he asks you to push a little. So if that mental hold doesn't leave you, you may have passed when you were young. But you get to this point, and that same problem comes, you can't move. Because when you are staying in your father's house, and now they push a little, reluctantly pushed. But now you are paying bills. They say push a little, you are struggling. Maybe you push through. Then wife problems, husband problems, children problems come. They say push, hey. See, now the stronghold didn't stop you at level one. It didn't stop you at level two. But level three, it seems to get you. Go to level four. Sometimes you go to level five, level six. Now your children are all grown up. Their children are also growing up. Now you have medical issues. You have different problems. Different issues. Now your, your external family, they are looking up to you because when there's problem, they put they lump their problems on you and you have to deal with all those things and you're working all that. Your, your budget is not your own. These days when I see some, some text messages and some phone calls, I know that is money they're they are looking for. And it's from external family members. And then he comes and says, push a little. In my sickness, in my problem, you are asking for my boat. Hallelujah. Now, he has sat on your boat. And he has preached. When he finished preaching, he says, launch into the deep. Why would you want to launch into the deep when you have just come out of the deep and caught nothing? Logically, it doesn't make sense. The Bible says that the carnal mind cannot receive anything from God in that spiritually their descent because it's like when you use your logic to process things stronghold blocks you from receiving spiritual things am uh, I making sense and we are logical people naturally we use our mind to process things which we have to I've just come from the same waters I caught nothing in Fishes are more active in the night than during the day. In the night when they are supposed to be very active, all night I was looking for them. I didn't catch them. In the daytime that they are asleep. Now you say I should go back to the same spot and put the same net in the same spot to catch fish. Are you crazy? And you are a carpenter. I am a fisherman. I know more, have more signs in, uh, on this than you do. How many are following with me? So now you see that your logical processing of things becomes a stronghold. Sometimes our greatest stronghold is our mind. The reason why a lot of miracles, a lot of, uh, what do you call it, 
Testimonies don't happen around intellectual people because they think too hard. You are preaching. You are preaching. When you are very ignorant about a lot of things, you believe everything. And that's how come people who don't have, are not very sophisticated, they receive more miracles. Because their processing speed is slow. So they can accept it. <laughs> I'm showing you strongholds. I don't know whether you are seeing them. So, sometimes you have to process, your process speed, reduce it when you are dealing with God. Allow your faith in God to rise more than your ability to process. Because that ability to process becomes a, a stronghold that holds you. So you can't go past some things. How can you be speaking in a, a language you don't understand? And that language that you don't understand is actually mitigating a lot of problems that you have in the future. If you are trying to understand this with your mind, you will not make it. You will never speak in tongues. That is why a lot of intellectual people, very highly intellectual people, don't, they cannot receive the gift of salvation, uh, of, of the Holy Spirit. They cannot. Because like, when they process it, it doesn't make sense. And when it doesn't make sense, it's very difficult to receive. Sometimes we go past that. Then it's like, now you get to a place for spiritual gifts. To operate spiritual gifts, if you are very intellectual and very logical, you cannot. Well, what that makes you think that this voice, voice is God? No, 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 no. So God is telling you that you should go and tell Pastor Sam a prophecy. What if after telling him all these things, the things you have said doesn't come to pass. He would think you are a liar. Even you thinking about it, how, what voice, who, who was the one who was speaking? Was it my mind? Was it God? Was it Satan? Was it the chicken you ate? What is it? Are you getting what I'm saying? So our logical mind thinking it becomes a stronghold that doesn't allow us to go deep in ministry. That is why those who really go far in ministry are people who are not a lot of, don't have a lot of sophistication. A lot of people who do, go into even a Bible school to do Bible hemolytics and they, 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 just, they just backslide. Because as they go through you know, PhD, divinity, and everything, they see a lot of flaws in them. You know, it's like, this thing, there's contradiction here, contradiction, there's contradiction here, and then immediately you just say, this thing, it doesn't, it's not true. Hallelujah. So he says, launch into the deep. How can I launch into the deep when logically it doesn't make sense? So Peter has now gone past his intellectual stronghold. Nevertheless, at the at thy word, he will do it. So he launched into the deep 
And guess what? He catches a lot of fish. He puts the fish in his boat. His partners come. His partners are also have to do with jealousy. Competition. Why did he choose your boat and not my boat? The boats were packed together. The master comes and he selects your boat. Is it that your boat is cleaner than mine? Is it that your boat is nicer than mine? Even mine is, is newer than yours. Mine is uh, 2020 plate. Yours is 2016 plate. And he chooses mine and not yours. So sometimes as pastors or, 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 or ministers, there's a lot of competition. When your brother is getting blessed, you have this bitterness. I see it. I see it. And you see, when you, you are jealous of somebody because of their blessing, that blessing will never come to you. Because the thing you don't admire, it will not come to you. And sometimes, how I many you know that it is a natural, uh, we are naturally, you, you, human beings, we, ha- we are naturally jealous. You are prettier than her. Meanwhile, she's getting married. And you are still, no man is coming. And you have to help her be a bridesmaid. Oh, you don't understand. Can you not see that the stronghold there? But James and John, they are following in an empty boat with Peter having Jesus in his boat. And they are not jealous. They are still supporting. Can you support when you are not a star? Oh, you, you still can't see it. Can you be the cheerleader for your neighbor who is being blessed and you are not? You have to overcome that or else you can never do ministry. Because the Bible says that when they filled Peter's boat, it was overflowing. So, because Simon, uh, James and John, sons of Zebedee, were cheering, their boats were also filled. Because they overcame jealousy. They overcame the spirit of competition, which is very rife in ministry. You all sing, but they always give the solo to this person. And you believe you have a nice... You know that you know. Oh, you don't get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did he come? From where is coming back? We've been here. We've been in this land all these years. He just came. Overnight, it looks like the Lord has blessed him. What about us? We are the custodians of the land. We have been fighting Satan all these years in this place. What prayers haven't we prayed? What evangelism haven't we done? We have called fire. We have done appeal for funds. We have raised funds to buy building up to now. Even the appeal for funds has cost our church members. We have stolen the money. 
So you hear that somebody has just come overnight, God has blessed them, and you cannot rejoice. That's a stronghold. Because as you cannot rejoice over somebody's blessing, you don't get blessed either. Can you see what I'm saying? For, for ministry, you pray for somebody, for something you are looking for. And God will give it to them because you prayed for them. And God will not give it to you. Do you have the wherewithal to clap for the person who's being filled with fish and yours is not? don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Because as James and John clapped for Peter, whose boat was filled, then the Lord saw their heart and said that, okay, now it's your turn to also fill your boat. God is a rewarder of the people whose hearts are pure. They that are pure they shall see God. Pure in heart. Not jealous. Not devious. Not envious. Not bitter. Not clamorous. You are willing, wishing that something bad will happen to them. The department they are handling will spoil. Hoping that their, their church will spoil. Because when did they, where did they come from? It looks like their church is doing better. No. The more you wish for that, the more you will never get anything in your boat. Oh. You don't like. Have I changed? I don't know whether I've changed the format of the preaching. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now they fill both boats and both boats are beginning to sink, which means that the blessing that Peter has is the same blessing John, James and John have. The master didn't sit in their boat. But the blessing that was in the boat that the master sat in is the same blessing they are having just because they are clapping from afar because the master was sitting in their boat. They didn't get angry. If it were some of us, we would have gone home. After all, after all, he saw two boats. He decided the boat he wanted to use. And we, we are not anything. He thinks we are nobody. That's why he didn't choose us. He chose other people. And even though we are also as good as they, they are. And he chose, so why? let me go home. But they stayed around, clapping for the one whose boat was being used. They got the same blessing. See, ministry is not about the one leading. It's not the one who is the star. We all get the same blessing. Don't be in a hurry to want to be in front. Don't be in a hurry to want Jesus to sit in your boat. Whether it is Peter's boat or it's James and John's boat, the blessing when it comes, we all be blessed all of us. So play your part. Stay in your lane and play your part. The one who had five talents, the one who had three, all of them received the same. 
you were faithful in little. Come and be ruler over many. That was a blessing. The same boat blessing. You used three. You got three. You are faithful in little. Be a ruler over many. Many means the same, isn't it? Many and many. Isn't that the same? Many equals many. He didn't say small many or many, many. Many is many. Are you getting what I mean? So what uh, Peter got is exactly what James and John got. Everybody's boat was sinking. Hallelujah. And then they brought the boat to the shore. Now here comes a big one. They were astonished. And Peter said, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. You know, that stronghold of feeling less than is one of the greatest strongholds that we have at all levels of ministry, you feel less than. How many have felt less than? You feel like you are not, you don't qualify for what God is doing through you. If you don't feel that way, then you are not doing proper ministry. If you are doing proper ministry and God is using you at, to any reasonable degree, you feel less than. Hallelujah. He said, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Why are you doing all these things through me? Who am I? And who is my house? That God chooses to bless me and show me this great kindness. It's not him that will it. It is God who chooses whoever he chooses. Hallelujah. So that feeling less than is also another stronghold. We talked about it last, last week. Inferiority. Inferiority complex. You remember? Yeah. Sometimes you feel that you're too young. Sometimes you feel like you are too sinful. You feel that if God, if I was the, the one to choose, I won't choose me. Why is God choosing me? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. It's a big stronghold that stops a lot of people from progressing with God. You have to break that stronghold. It is not because you are great. It's not because you qualify. It's because he decides who he will pick. It is he who picks one and sets another down. It is one who he chooses to show mercy on whom he will show mercy on. So if God decides to use you, shut up and do what he's doing through you. Don't say, well, uh, uh, brother, 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 pastor, please, I haven't gone to Bible school. Brother, pastor, please, you know, all I know in my life is fishing. So, no. If Jesus decides he's used, now the boat that is supposed to be a boat for fishing has been used as a puppet. It's a whole chapter. It's a 
has used as a church. Now it has been used as a ministry bus. All these things are happening. And now he has brought the food that the whole community are going to eat. So blessed of the father has happened because of the boat. Hallelujah. And he brings the boat to the, to the uh, place and he says, from today, you will not catch fish anymore. You'll be catching them. Do you have what it takes to leave everything and follow him? We talked about it last week. I talked about the spirit of stinginess, spirit of selfishness that stops us from having a certain type of ministry because we don't want to go beyond the fish. Remember the boat, we, we, we haven't paid full payment for the boat. Remember that? Remember the net to release it. So monthly payment. We owe on the net. Remember as we were using the net, it broke. Repair, repair cost. Yes, you leave all this and come and follow. Follow you for what? That's why a lot of us we can serve God at a certain point. But when he wants all of us, it becomes difficult. When he wants a bit more of our time, a bit more of ourselves, you mean I should leave all this money I'm getting and come and follow you full time? For what? It's a big head. Hallelujah. Are you getting the strongholds that don't allow us to progress? As I'm coming, how much would you pay me, Brother Jesus? See, I'm not going to pay you. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You don't have anywhere to lay your head. And he says, I should follow you. At least I have a job. But Peter, the Bible says, and they forsook all. Number, what number are we on? I didn't give you number. You see, you always like the intellectual. You see, intellectual people, you like, I've given you about three or four different. Yeah, you are waiting for number. Okay, number, whatever. Give yourself the number. Number, whatever. It is suffering. Suffering. I, I mentioned it last week. I didn't talk about the suffering. Ministry is about suffering. So Jesus said that except you take up the cross and deny yourself and follow me, you are not worthy of me. Isn't that right? Did we talk about that last week? Hmm? No? Our normal human life and normal human proclivity is to avoid suffering. 
Amen. We just don't want to suffer. Anything that brings about suffering, we don't want to know. How many understand that? Yeah, but part of ministry is to suffer. Amen. We have been called to suffer. In John chapter 15 verse 20, Jesus says that a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Hallelujah. If they persecuted me, why do you think that you will not be persecuted? They, 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 if they kept my word, they will keep yours. Normal human instincts is we don't want to suffer. But Jesus has assured us that we will have to suffer. And we, I said in John chapter 12, 24 last week, that except a grain of corn falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. So the dying process, the suffering process, amen. Without dying, we can't bear fruit. Amen. Matthew 16, 21 to 26. It's a, it's a story that, I think I'll just share, share the story and then we'll move on to the next point. Is that Okay. From that time, when they had gone, this, this, uh, Jesus sent them out to go and preach two by two. The 70 went out and preached and came back. And they were very excited that uh, even demons are responding to them. And John chapter 16, 21 says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to him, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of God. Of men. Amen. And he, he, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what for profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Amen. Now, do I have to explain this, this chapter, this passage? I don't think so. Yeah. Why did Jesus call Peter Satan? What Satan said to Jesus, was it not logical? What, what, what Peter said to Jesus, was it not logical? We have been doing effective ministry all these years. Many people have come. People are getting saved. The, the, the church is working. Ministry is working. Then all of a sudden, my friends said, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you say, you didn't get a joke. Let, let's move on. <laughs> you are too serious. Relax. You are in church. <laughs> all of a sudden, you say, you are going to die. 
are thinking of expansion, thinking of starting different branches, you say you are going to die. So when you die, what happens? And he says that you are Satan. Because anytime you stop yourself or the ministry from suffering, you have injected Satan into the ministry. When you like everything easy and nice, you are not being led by God. Uh, have I lost you yet? Yeah. You want everything smooth. No. Higher ministry means higher suffering. Amen. Can I give you a, a few reasons why we need to suffer? Number one, suffering is part of the process of bearing fruit. Except the grain of corn dies, it abides alone. When it dies, when it suffers, then it brings forth much fruit. Amen. It's part of the process of having more, of bearing fruit, is to suffer. You see, as a young pastor, I always wanted people to be happy with me. People to like me. People to be pleased with me all the time. And say good things about me. So I did everything. Because I've been around church for a while. And I've seen how people have criticized pastors and said bitter things about pastor and things. So I was very determined that in my pastorate, in my ministry, I'll be different. I will not be this unpopular person who everybody criticizes, everybody points fingers, and everybody says that he's a bad person. So I'll be a man of the people. Love everybody. Do my best for everybody. Have the biggest heart. So that everybody says, oh, ask for that pastor. He's a good man. That's all I wanted to hear. Nobody's like that guy. That guy's a good pastor. But I learned very, very, very early. Very quickly. And very quickly. When I read a scripture that says that woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Woe unto you. It's not a good thing. It means you are a flaky person. It means you are wish-washy. You don't stand for any principle. You break every law. Because people are lawless. And if you want to be ha- make everybody happy with you, you have to accommodate all their nonsense. Oh, you don't like my message. Yeah. I learned early that even when you try to be nice, people will still find something bad to say about you. Listen, don't, don't preach. Don't preach a sermon through me, both of you. <laughs> if I, both of you leave. <laughs> Move. <laughs> you can preach your message at the back. <laughs> Allow me to preach my message independent of you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, am I preaching? 
So you have to suffer people's indignation. You have to suffer people's bad talk about you and pointing of fingers. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Because yeah. if you want to stand for truth, not everybody will be happy with you. Hallelujah. Uh, stop your stop that. <laughs> number what number by suffering is a tool for sanctification. If God wants to cleanse you, He will cause you to suffer. Suffering causes our focus to turn inward, to face those parts of ourselves that we might otherwise want to ignore. Amen. Number four, suffering is a test of our faith. Know that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and when patience has had its full work, it makes you entire wanting nothing. Isn't it? James chapter 1 verse 5, count it all joy when you fall into diverse kinds of temptation. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And when patience has had its work in you, it makes you entire wanting nothing. Hallelujah. So it is part of the process of your building yourself in faith. Amen. Hallelujah. It's also a consequence of sin. Suffering is a consequence of sin. Suffering is a product of the fall of man and its consequences against God. So sometimes God will make you suffer for the entire people. So the suffering you are going through is not for you. Uh, Am I okay? All right. Let's move on. So, we've talked about what number. We don't have any number now, isn't it? The next one is the stronghold of anger and unforgiveness. In ministry. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to 26. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe, and that you will receive them, and you will have, you will have them. For whatever, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, Forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Amen. I want you to remember this, that in ministry, people will offend you. Amen. Any level of ministry you operate in, the first encounter will be offense. How many don't easily forgive? You can't forgive. It's not, you struggle with it. 
It's a human thing. Are you with me? If you are going to work for God, people will offend you. Hallelujah. And you will have to learn how to forgive. Because ministry has to do with your heart. And when your heart is full of anything, you can't do ministry. When your heart is full of anger, you can't minister. When your heart is full of bitterness, you can't minister. When your heart is full of pride, you can't minister. When your heart is full of unforgiveness, you can't minister. When you want, you have meant somebody. How many have heard that phrase before? I have meant him. If he falls in my trap, what I will do to him or to her. If you have that in your heart, you will not be able to minister well. First Timothy 4. First Timothy 4.10. Put it up for me. What time is it? Okay. After this we can close, isn't it? For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially those. No, I think it's Second Peter I'm looking for. Second Timothy. Second Timothy 4.10. Yeah. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed from Thessalonica, Christians for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. Go on. Tychus, Tychus, I have left. I sent to Ephesus. Read on. Bring my cloak that I left in uh, with Capus in Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchment. Read on quickly. Alexander the Coppers may did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Let's move on. You also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. My first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Can you see a, a lot of offenses that, that uh, Paul is, has suffered in ministry? Rejection. People have left the ministry. If you're a pastor that gets very offended by people leaving you, you will spoil your ministry. Not everybody who lives is Satan. You must not curse everybody because they are leaving. If they want to leave, let them go. Hallelujah. He says that demons has left. He, he loved the world, so he's gone. Allow them to go. What I always say is that if you are going, close the door gently. Because you might need the same door to come back. But if you break the, the glass door as you are leaving, <laughs> and we have to go and repair it. Because you, the glass everywhere, people got cut as you, you shattered the, the door in your anger leaving. And we have to go and if we have to send someone to guard the door the whole night as we, we have to arrange for double glazes to come and repair the glass door. Next time when you come, can you open the door? 
You don't have the key. You even want to knock one open. Are you getting what I'm saying? Be careful how you live. Because you may leave a place, but you may need to come back again. So when you go, go and close the door gently, so that you can open the door and come back. And you'll be welcome. Am I making sense? Okay. Hallelujah. Then you have John Mark. Once upon a time, that guy was a very dodgy guy. In fact, he was a reason why we, we there was a falling out between the minister. The pastors fought because of him. He said, "Bring him." Is now profitable. I need him. Alexander the coppersmith. No, sometimes the people you do so well, you give them all. You 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 are so kind to. You love them the most. You give them the most. Are the ones that will turn around and offend you the most. It's part of ministry. If you don't have a large heart, you start cursing people. You stop misbehaving. Are <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know, Alexander, he cursed Alexander. May he suffer. Then later down, a few uh, verses down later, he said, "May God forgive them and not hold them." <laughs> no, because he realized that the curse he had released on Alexander compassed It's not a good thing. But you see, when you, when you speak out of anger and you curse somebody, you can't take it back. So you, as a minister, you've got to watch your heart. Hallelujah. Because this same well that flows with sweet water, you don't want to contaminate it. Am uh, I making sense? Bible says that though he was reviled, he reviled not. When they spat on him, he didn't lift up his mouth to say anything. What did he say? Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. The greatest gift you can give to yourself as a minister is the gift of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is a medicine you take for yourself, not for them. As a minister, you've got to learn to forgive people. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You do. You be kind to somebody, and they will pay you with evil. It's okay. Still be kind to other people. Amen. Are we breaking strongholds? As are we breaking strongholds? In the ministry, you will suffer. In the ministry, you will have a lot of opportunity to be angry and bitter. To to hold grudges, don't. I say, don't. Yeah. Allow yourself, your spirit to be sweet all the time. Have a sweet spirit all the time. All the time, forgive people. Je- Jesus said that when your brother compels you to go a mile, go two miles for them. 